Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. I have a fantastic interview today on a topic that I am really a, a fan of. It, it really has to do with marketing and growing your business, but it's a little bit from, well, the other side. It has to do with generating revenue and, and actually kind of covering expenses. I'm teasing you just a little bit, but I'm talking about sponsorships, partnerships. Uh, when you put on your own events and things like that, there's a way that you can underwrite um, some of those costs. I mean, I've done eight of my own live events and I can tell you it's not inexpensive to do that. My guest is Jessica Chinyelu and um, she is from Dallas, Texas. We were supposed to talk last week as, as I'm recording this, but you know, Dallas was in a very bad way with some snow and cold weather. So we're, we're on for today. Jessica, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Jim. And we are warm in 70 degree weather in Texas after the polar vortex we had last week. So I know we I, are. Stephanie and I are currently um, in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. It's going to be like 67 and sunny today. So we're pretty excited. Oh, um, yeah. But um, Jessica, you you are in a, a kind of a unique area of marketing where it's not the typical pay-per-click or do this or the other thing. You're in a, you're in an area where you bring together um, businesses that can sponsor and support certain businesses that they want to be associated with their customers. Did I kind of say that semi-correctly? Yes, you got it right, Jim. Um, <laughs> all these brands, that really want to get their products or services out there in a unique way through brand activations or live events or through influencer marketing. Um, I am the person that connects those brands to individuals who want to get their events or programs funded. So if there's someone that's a nonprofit or if you are an online business creator or you're an online business coach or an author, then I'm your go-to person to help connect you to those brands to start and get funding for the programs that you want to host. I know you've been featured in like BuzzFeed, Daily Mail, Cosmopolitan, ABC News. You've been all over the place. I think you're, you've been known. I, I don't know if it's your current brand. You've been known as the sponsorship lady, which I think is pretty cool. I was originally the newsletter guru. Now I'm the dream business coach. It helps have a brand, right? So people, people know who you are. Um, so I'm always curious about the uh, entrepreneurial journey as much as the, the topic at hand. So let's go back. Did you, did you go to college? Did you uh, study to become an accountant and then take a hard left and do this oh, instead? Man, let me tell you, that is such a great question, Jim. So I actually always thought that I was going to be an entertainment attorney. Um, I went to Texas Woman University and got my bachelor's degree in government with an emphasis in legal studies. And then I actually went to law school or did a law school program through CLEO, that acronym stands for Council on Legal Education Opportunities. And it's basically where you go to law school for about a year. And I was like, uh-uh, this is not for me. I even got an associate's degree in paralegal studies, worked for two different attorneys. And I'll be honest, 
I did not like the Socratic theory. I could not do very well or couldn't get over like not doing well on the practice LSAT. It was insane. And so I was a little heartbroken that law school wasn't for me because I invested all this time and energy and, you know, getting a degree in it and an associate's degree. But what really struck me is my senior year of undergrad, one of my good friends, he reached out to me and he said, hey, Jess, I would love for you to help me plan my Nigerian Independence Day party. I'm half Nigerian. And I was like, dude, first off, I've never done anything like this. So why, <laughs> why would you ask me to help you plan this party? And he said, well, I don't know. You're just so well connected. Like, you know, everybody and people will come. And I think you have the gift to make it happen. So, so he I saw said, something okay. in you, in your personality. And just, I mean, just in our green room chat, before we're doing the interview, I could see you, you, you really, you really are outgoing and you enjoy talking with people. And Oh, I do. I really do. And he saw something in me that I really didn't even see in myself. And I, when I kid you not, I took time to plan out everything. I was like, okay, how are we going to pay for this? I do not consider myself an event designer, but I made sure that his event looked incredible. People walked into that event. And I remember two of his guy friends said, Bim, who's responsible for this? Cause I know you didn't do this alone. And he pointed to me and those two gentlemen, they said, we're bringing some African artists to America for their tour and we need your help with this. And that was my very first contract. And I was like, woohoo! Wow. People are willing to pay me. Um, but Jim, I'll be honest. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. Um, I didn't have a mentor. I just kind of winged it. And so I made a lot of mistakes. But again, like I'm a queen of like networking and connecting with people. And so that um, turned into like, me starting this entertainment agency where I was doing club events and, you know, getting sponsors for events and working with uh, pro ball players and for NBA all-star weekend and, and Super Bowl weekend. But it was, you know, I, I will say like, because I, again, I didn't have a mentor and I was winging everything. I like, when you think about revenue, like it was just so inconsistent yep. and I am a believer and I, I believe in a higher power and I just felt like I'm called to something greater. And I felt like this can't be it. Like I, this is not the only way in which I can use my gift. So I actually completely stopped doing everything. I hit a really dark place, got into a really bad relationship. And I said, I think there truly is more. And I feel like I was up at like four o'clock in the morning. This was 2009. And I just got this vision. It's like four o'clock in the morning, sitting in my bedroom and there was this vision of me standing in front of this outside on this stage, standing before so many people, I couldn't count the number of people. And tears just began to roll down my eyes because I was like, huh, this is a woman that's speaking on a stage in this beautiful red dress and this long wig, because I, I wear a lot of wigs all the time, but <laughs> it was the most beautiful wig. And I was just talking and, and sharing. And I felt like that was God telling me, look, this is your conference that you're going to host. I was like, okay, so you mean to tell me not going to law school, doing club events and all this, uh, doing tours for African artists, this is leading into me hosting like women's empowerment events? I don't know. Like, this is crazy, but I'm up for the challenge, God. Like, let's do it. So I took two years to really just step back and, and work in corporate America. I did things... Um, because like I said, I was inconsistent with making money. Um, I started working at the Gaylord and then Hilton Hotel, and that gave me a lot more knowledge 
And then I became ready to like host my own conferences. So I, I started a nonprofit called uh, the Woman of Purpose Network. Through the Woman of Purpose Network, um, my first conference, I was so shocked, but we sold 100 tickets the first day we, we launched the event. Wow. Um, and we had over 600 people, um, 600 women at that conference. We had to close the doors or like because the line was just so long. We did, we opened up the, for people to purchase tickets at the door, but it was insane. Um, one woman attended that conference and she says, who were your sponsors? You, this event was so excellent. And to see you doing this, she's like, I need to know who helped you do this. And I was like, uh, well, student loan money and my personal <laughs> bank account, <laughs> which is now reached negative to make this first event happen. And she said, I'm going to help you. She goes, I'm going to help you because something with this level of excellence needs to be sponsored. She sat me down, uh, showed me how she's been getting all of her events sponsored. She hosts events all over the world, um, everything 100% funded. And she gave me the roadmap and the strategy to do things the right way. So I took everything that she taught me and everything that I've learned in corporate America and everything that I've learned as a club promoter and used that to start getting my next three conferences 100% funded with over six figures. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got into this whole thing. So. Wow. Well, that's one question and we're 15 minutes in, so this is going to go quick. Um, I love how you're uh, just so open about your faith. I, I am also, and um, I know we're connected on Facebook and I don't know if you saw my post this morning, which again will be at least two months from now by the time the show goes live, but it was, you know, my first year in um, business 2001 was what I call revenue free, <laughs> which means it took me a year to get my client. And I kept thinking to myself, someday God's going to ask me and we come face to face. Well, what made you think it was supposed to be easy? Right. You know, so all this, Oh, why can't I just get going? So uh, it sounds like, first of all, you got connected with a mentor, which is amazing. Doors will open when you charge forth and, and do what you know you're being called to do. I want to, um, so I love that story. I want to dive into a little bit of the sponsorship piece because you and I could talk for hours probably on the whole just entrepreneurial and in our journeys. But um, when I had a guy, I, I, I told you in the green room, I had a guy uh, several years ago when I was doing my own Dream Business Academy events. And he said, why don't you get people to sponsor the lunch or sponsor this or sponsor that? And I think, I believe my mindset was probably like other people's mindset. So I'm going to tell you what I perceive the negative to be in and tell me how to fix that. Okay. Okay. So he said, why don't you get somebody to sponsor this, sponsor that. And you know, you just got to give them some stage time, blah, 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 blah. And to me in my head, I'm like, well, this, this event is about, it's, it is about me, but it's also about me putting on great content for my guests. And I, and I somehow envisioned that if people got up there and start talking about, you know, Oh, I own this deli <laughs> or, you know, I provide, you know, these, uh, V, v, you know, uh, video services, things like that, that that would be somehow taking away from my event. I know that's probably small thinking, but is that like a common thing that entrepreneurs think about when they're talking about getting sponsors? You know, I think that's, this is one of the reasons why I tell people it's so important to only pitch to brands or companies that are truly in alignment with your brand. Here's what I mean by that. Um, a lot of our clients or a lot of my students, when we're teaching them how to pitch to brands, I say, who's your, who are your wish list? Who are your dream sponsors? What do you do in your everyday life? So if you're an entrepreneur, 
And the way you handle your project management or your day-to-day daily tasks or your operations, if you know that you use Asana every day or if you use Trello to partner with a brand like Trello or Asana, it makes perfect sense for you to get on a stage and you yourself, instead of the brand, talk about you know, how to use that particular product or how to use that software. It's very easy. It's very natural. And it doesn't come off as if you are selling something. Gotcha. Another, another way in which you could do that is you have a podcast, Jim. So you can invite or create a series with someone from Asana on the Asana marketing team to come in and have a conversation with you about unique ways that you can transform your business through having standard operation procedures and how you can uh, place them into your Asana board, project boards. So you have to be really unique and creative in how you think about the way you partner with brands. You got to go beyond just hey, bring the brand onto the stage and sell you, sell you something. You never and, want to do that with your audience. And Jessica, you just did a huge favor for everybody listening. Um, and by the way, it's a pretty good audience, but this is my eighth year of Dream Business Radio right now. But um, you just told everybody the number one reason they must work with experts in an area where they're not experts because <laughs> you just completely, <laughs> you just completely opened my eyes to that. Um, <clears throat> so if you are, so the, the, the audience that listens to this um, podcast are by and large entrepreneurs, small business owners. Um, I do have, you know, speakers, coaches, consultants that do um, certainly pre COVID put on, you know, their own seminars and things like that. How would they then think about how can I offset some of the costs of, you know, putting on your own seminar and event? What, what are some of the steps I should take? Great question. Yeah. The, some of the steps that you should take is think about, okay, if I'm going, especially with now, like in the COVID times, I think the great thing is you're now seeing a lot of brands that are looking to partner with entrepreneurs and business owners who are hosting virtual programs. If you're an entrepreneur that has an email list, a really large email list or a YouTube channel or a great uh, social media page like on Instagram, you're heavily utilizing things like TikTok or even if you have a podcast or a radio show, uh, there, those are opportunities where you can create uh, different marketing activations for that brand. So the first thing that I would say is develop your brand wish list. This brand wish list should be anywhere from 50 to 100 companies that strategically align with your mission, with your target audience. You two have the same target audience. Start there. The second thing that I would say is fully understand your event needs. So that is, what is the budget? What's, what do I need to make this event happen? And what do I want to absolutely get funded? If you're sending out mailers, if you're sending out, if there's a software that you're going to have to use like Hopin or Wova to produce this event or even Zoom, think about those costs. The third thing that I would say is once you have that budget, now I want you to think about activations. Okay, so if you are someone who's listening and you don't understand what an activation is, it is basically a live or virtual uh, experience where you bring that brand or that company to life with your audience or to your audience through some type of event experience or some type of experience. So bringing the brand to life to your audience. So what does that look like? Well, if, I, if I'm having an event, can I give them real estate space? So if we're on Zoom and when we turn our cameras on, you can create a unique graphic in the background that has State Farm Insurance in the back. Are you going to give them speaking opportunities where you're going to speak, invite them onto the show um, or invite them to be on a panel um, speaking on these particular topics? Do you have four different event opportunities that you're going to present in your proposal? 
These are your assets. These are the assets or the benefits that you need to have listed out before you even start thinking to reach out to brands. So you've got your dream wish list or your prospect list. You've got your activation ideas. You've got your budget. So you have three big things that are needed before you even get started. That will help you to have a very clear picture of, hmm, okay, here's the value that I bring. This is a solution that I could bring. I see that this is where the brand may be missing the mark. Here's how we can help them provide that solution by creating this opportunity for us to, me and the brand, to come together and partner. That's, that's what I would say would help you get started. But that budget is going to be key because that will help you to figure out like what you really need and what your ask should be to that brand. So the, the little voice in my head, which is tied to my listeners, I'm in tune. I can imagine them driving in their car going, Jim, ask her this. So I'm going to ask you this. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you know? what a sponsorship is worth. Like suppose you're putting on an event, like my events used to be two and a half days. So there'd be, you know, lunch and dinner and things like that. How do you know? It's a little bit to me, Jessica, like um, when you have a podcast, now I don't do sponsorships on my podcast, but you know, how do you know what, what to charge if somebody wants to sponsor your podcast in the same way? How do you that's not my question, actually. I just want to do a similarity. But how do you know if someone, so let's say on average, I had, you know, 45, 50 people come to my events. How do people judge what it's worth to sponsor an event like that? Is it based on the people there or FaceTime with an audience? You know, because I, I imagine that's what some of the vendors you might approach. That's probably a question they're going to ask. Absolutely. <laughs> so there are a couple of ways in, in which this could work. So, uh, I say it like this, you have to think about who is the target audience, who's your target audience. And people think that, oh, just I have 50 people. So if I have only 50 people that are at an event, it means that I can't make a $100,000 ask or a $50,000 ask. But if you've got 50 people in a room, and these are all 50 millionaires or billionaires that uh, there's, let's say, maybe hmm, trying to think of a, let's say Salesforce. Salesforce has a new suite that they're offering and they need to get in front of a certain type of business entrepreneur or, or business owners. And you have exactly what they're looking for. They know how much this suite is. And so you're like, hey, I've got 50 people. And I know that if we can create some type of unique activation or experience for them, I know for sure that they'll convert. Now, if you're going to help them convert, let's say however much the suite is, that could easily be well over six figures then you should be going in with the mindset of I'm giving you this much time with my audience. I'm also going to convert them over into your email list or your database. So at this point now I should be, then you're thinking about the cost of putting this entire thing on. If there are going to be any digital asset pieces, so social media pieces, are you putting any ads around this? Are you sending out any emails pre and post event? All of that is worth something. So you could easily get in that 30, $50,000 range for this specific type of activation. Now, for someone who's, uh, someone hit, uh, hit me up the other day and she said, oh, I, I'm having a luxury event and I would love for Louis Vuitton to be one of my sponsors. And I said, okay, let me see what you've got in your proposal. She had like $1,000 in there. And I said, this wouldn't even be worth their time. This, this is not worth their time because you're making an ask and they probably don't even have a bag, a handbag that they carry that cost this much. So <laughs> you need to you need to increase 
what your ask is because you might be maybe asking for too low and the brand, because it's a luxury brand, they're going to see it as, as something that's not a value to them and not really their target audience. So when you think about the different assets and how much you should charge, you should be thinking about a couple of things. Am I running ads? Am I sending out an email? Am I giving them time on the podcast? How many people? What is the caliber of people? What is the type of products this company or this brand they sell that we're, if there's a particular product, can I really give them their exact target audience, get them in a room? Am I going to give them a list, an email list, or send out emails on their behalf to my audience with direct links to this company? That you have to think about every single one of those things. And I would say, like, I got this question last night from a podcaster who said, I have a meeting with a brand on Thursday. Um, how much should I charge for my ad spot on my podcast? And I said, I actually wouldn't even tell the brand what an ad spot costs because if you go in with that mindset and you say it's a minimum, I think she was saying it's a minimum of eight uh, in order to lock in a spot with us. And the brand comes back and says, well, we want to start with one. I said, go in with a package, go in with three investment level packages because a brand is always good. A brand would much, much rather say, oh, you're going to make a social media post about us. Oh, we're going to be featured here. Oh, you're going to do a blog post about us as well. Yeah, that's much better than spending $250 for an ad spot. Yeah. So there's a lot of different factors that go into what you should charge. It really just depends on the brand that you're reaching out to, what your budget is for that event. And I know that was a really long answer. It was, but it's, it was good. Not only, not oh, there's so much to unpack there, but not only is it good to have a package, it makes it much harder if people are compare. you, you want to make it so people can't compare apples to apples, right? Like I help a lot of people create coaching businesses. Well, you, you, the last thing in the world you want to do is say, well, how much do you charge per hour? Cause you know, fair or unfair, it's just not good. So you have coaching packages. So that makes a heck of a lot of sense. And I want to point out, this is the second time that I, that little bell goes off my head says, wow, she really knows her stuff because, you know, when, when I'm working with people, um, I was working with a coach just this, earlier this morning, Jessica, and he says, well, what do you think I should charge? Like, you know, 250 or something like that for, you know, for a seat at his mastermind. I said, well, first of all, for the level of program you're offering, 250 is going to seem like a joke, right? They're going to expect it to be like $1,000 to be in your group. So I think people in their own head have a vision like people are going to recoil when you say a high price. And in reality, you just got to remember who you are based on your brand and, and the marketing yeah. you're doing in the marketplace. Yes. And you, you got to look at it like this too. Like when you're putting on an event, it's a lot of work. Think about the time that you're investing to plan out that event, then to organize everything, to send out those emails, to design those emails. You have to pay a graphic designer. So you should be charging that brand if they're going to be, if they're going to come in and be a sponsor for your event. So don't shortchange yourself. Do not sell yourself short when it comes to sponsorships. Um, so I got about four minutes here. I want to, I want to get another question squeezed in, um, the power of data. Now, is that referring to the size of your email list, your social media following and think followers and things like that? Is that what you're referring to there? No. And okay. I'm so happy that, I mean, that it plays a part, but that's not all everything. Okay. So I, I, I have meetings with lots of brands. I'll give you an example. I was sitting down with uh, the marketing team and the diversity and inclusion team at Toyota a couple months back. And I said, tell me what is one of your biggest pet peeves when you get uh, 
sponsorship outreaches or sponsorship requests. And they said, we cannot stand it when we ask someone why we should partner with them and their response is, oh, our CEO and founder has over a hundred thousand or a million <laughs> followers on Twitter. We would rather work with a person who has a hundred followers on Instagram, but super raving fans versus, and, and they're engaged fans versus the person who has a million followers on Twitter and they're not engaged at all. You could have a hundred followers, but you know everything there is to know about your audience. So the data that I'm talking about is what are the demographics? How much money? What's their annual income? So how much money do they make? Where do they live? What zip codes are they in? What kind of cars do they drive? Are they owners? Do they rent? Do they own? And people don't think that they should have that type of data on their audience. But when the more data you have on your audience, the better your partnerships will be. So if you were to, I have a friend that has a, a course called Trade and Travel. And one thing that she does is before anyone enters into her course, she, she says, hey, here's step one, complete this survey. And it's detailed information about every single person who takes her course. So what do you think? Now she has a, a partnership with Airbnb and also TradeStation. And Airbnb, they love the fact that the majority of the people who take her course, they love to travel. And when they do travel, they prefer to stay in Airbnbs. And if they don't, what do you think they're trying to do? Convert them to stop staying at hotels and then stay in an Airbnb. So she offers the significant discount for their first uh, rental um, or first time they ever use Airbnb and it works out perfect. But that is the reason why data really matters. So if you've never surveyed your audience or sent out a very in-depth survey, and this is something that could take three to five minutes and you be very upfront with them when you send an email out to them or you send a text to them, just create something on Google Forms or a job form or Entreport, whatever system that you use to send, communicate with your audience and get that data, get that information about them. Data will help, it, it can so much increase the value of your sponsorship property. And that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna stop talking, Jim, because I no, know- No, that's, that's, I mean, what a great, I, you know, I'm gonna tell people right now, listen to this interview again, because this has been, uh, what a fascinating interview. Thank you so much. Jessica, I know people are gonna wanna connect with you. Um, and I know you got a couple of websites, so I don't, I'm not, I'm gonna let you say which one, you know, <laughs> you want people to go to. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Jim. So I am, I love Instagram. Instagram is such a wonderful place to connect with people. So if you were listening and just follow me and, and connect with me on Instagram at Jessica Chinyelu. And if you have any questions about today's interview, or if you want to connect or learn a little bit more about sponsorship, um, just send me a DM or click the link in my bio. And I actually have a, a, a few resources for you. So there's a free sponsorship proposal template that you can download just by clicking the link in my bio, or you can visit the sponsorshiplady.com. And when you go to the sponsorshiplady.com, you are able to download that free sponsorship proposal template there. Now I will say I am in the process of revamping a lot of things on my website. So just know if you have issues finding anything, I'm always happy to help you in my DM. So the sponsorshiplady.com and at Instagram, which is at Jessica Chinyelu, which is C-H-I-N-Y-E-L-U. And that's how, that's the best way. Yes, yes. That is the best way to connect with me. Well, what a delightful interview. Jessica, thank you so much. I'm, you've given a lot of value to my listeners. I'm, I'm really grateful.
Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I really enjoyed the conversation and enjoyed connecting with you today. Me also. Folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Jessica Chinyelu on All About Sponsorships. And this was eye-opening for me. My my I had a hard time staying focused because I'm writing notes and, and thinking about uh, my events in the future. Um, by the way, if we're if we're connected here only at the, this podcast, uh, connect that, fix that mistake, I should say, at getjimpalmer.com, www.getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in learning more about my uh, Dream Business Mastermind now in its 12th year, go to dreambizcoaching, dreambizcoaching.com. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.